What can be done for a dead person? Nothing we can do can change them or their circumstance. We can't make them feel better. We can't make them do better or provide them with tools for self-help so they can somehow be undead. At best, after fond remembrances, we can only bury or cremate the dead so their decaying flesh doesn't become a danger to others. Such is the hopelessness, not metaphorically, but in actual fact, of every living person. As Paul states it, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Paul is not speaking of our eventual physical death because of past sins. He is talking about the very real condition of our spirits being dead right now in this moment. Unless you have experienced a miracle. That miracle is a new birth, a new life that comes from faith in Christ. But we'll get to that tomorrow. Today, we want to fully explore this before condition, before we come to Christ. It's important to know how completely and utterly hopeless we are without Jesus. Otherwise, we devalue the importance of what Christ has done for us, and we overestimate how much we contribute to our own goodness, to our own salvation. Let's be clear, we contribute zero there is no goodness, nothing, which marks us as worthy and able to be alive. We've already read why that is so, because of your disobedience and your many sins. Paul's not soft-pedaling this. We don't just have one sin that's marred the record. Our disobedience, our rebellion against the perfect nature and character of God is the source of many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Paul is providing a dark contrast to the light he is about to share with the Ephesians. Without Christ, there is zero difference between a Christian and the rest of the world. Without Christ, we obey the devil. Without Christ, we live by the spirit of the devil. Without Christ, our hearts are consumed by the devil. When we refuse the grace and mercy and protection of the character of God, there is no other choice but to live an evil life. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. No exceptions. We all live that way. The person you most dislike, the person you think is most like the devil incarnate, the one you think is hiding a pitchfork and a pointy tail, that person is the person with whom you are identical, just the same. It's our sinful nature. It's natural from birth. You didn't have to go to devil school to learn it, which makes us subject to God's anger. That's a bit misleading. God is sometimes pictured as the aging monarch, ready to blow his top at our mistakes. That's not the case at all. What this really means is that we are subject to the natural consequences of our actions. If you jump off a cliff, you're subject to the natural consequences of your actions. If you shake up a can of soda before opening, you experience some natural consequences. That's God's anger. You're running right into the character of God. Following the desires and inclinations of death leads to other natural consequences. So how do we avoid these consequences? That's where, as well-intentioned as our society can be, it fails to address the basic problem of humanity. 
You can't educate a dead person. Arrest a dead person and see what it does. Train it, medicate it, send it to therapy. You won't change it from being dead. Someone has said, all our human attempts, self-discipline, rehabilitation and the like, are just rearranging the pattern, not changing the problem. The problem is we're dead, hopeless, and it would take a miracle to change that. Thankfully, such a miracle is available for each and every dead person alive. But more about that tomorrow. In the meantime, thanks for listening and keep the faith. Thank you.